Hey everyone, thanks for joining us again for All Things Evangelism. This week, we're having a conversation about investing in new church members for the purpose of soul-winning ministry, and I've got Pastor Marty Thompson from Kempsey joining me to chat, to hang out, and to discuss the topic. Thanks, Marty, for coming. Great to be here. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, man. You guys up at Kempsey have really been focusing lately on getting new members involved and investing in them and doing what you can to keep the fire burning. And I really appreciate that. It's been an exciting journey. If I can share how this kind of started off was we have a retired minister at our church and he started doing some Bible studies with our local barber. And local barbers are big guys, Greek, Scottish combo. And anyway, our retired minister, Pastor Barry Satchel, he um, took them through a prophecy series and he was giving us regular updates as a church where things were up to with both Andrew, the barber, and his wife, Pauline. And it was the start of 2020, just before COVID and everything hit, that Andrew and Pauline were baptized. And this really sparked something in my heart to think about how can we connect more with this newly baptized couple? How can we give them the tools, the skills that they will need? Because they have a huge network. You can imagine Matt as a barber, he's connecting with so many people. He's been cutting some people's hair for almost 20 years in the town. And so the connections are deep. And so this is where this conviction really started to deepen in my heart. I sensed that this was an opportunity. And that's what led into this whole thing of investing in new members for soul winning. Yeah, just opened your eyes to what could be, hey. So has it been your experience as a local church pastor that when people are baptized, the church is really motivated and focused on equipping them and training them and discipling them into doing ministry and outreach on their own? Look, one of the challenges we face, I think, is that we have we have a lot of energy and effort that goes into things like the Sabbath morning program, Sabbath school, Bible studies, and church. And probably, I would say, for the majority of churches and churches that I've been involved in, that's been where a lot of effort has been put into. Maybe Pathfinders, Adventurers as well, things like that. But there's probably not, I would say, it's not a top priority of most local churches that I've been involved in, that they have a plan in place that when somebody is baptized, this is a plan that we follow. This is what we're going to do to equip them. And maybe there's something written down, but I've rarely seen it followed through. I've rarely seen the church really go to that next level and go, yes, now let's go and take this newly baptized person and let's equip them so that they can bring the people that they know into the truth. That is unfortunately something that we need to grow in. Yeah, it seems like that's almost a loss on two accounts because in the first account, you've got a person who's fired up, motivated, inspired, because that's usually you know how you are when you're first coming to a knowledge of the truth. You're just super excited. And then that person, so that person's missing out on an opportunity to serve and to kind of develop skills and abilities that, that they could otherwise, they just lose an opportunity. If they're not getting, if we don't get them involved immediately, they lose an opportunity to develop some skills and abilities. And then on the other hand, you've got tons of friends and family members and acquaintances mm. that could be reached through this person. And then that doesn't happen. So it's almost a double negative for me to, so if you get a new convert and you don't get them actively involved in outreach ministry, then they're missing out. And then all their friends and family are missing out and we're missing an opportunity to share with more people. And it's yeah, so that's, true. That's really important. yeah, it's a big, it's a big like 
over. It's some. It's really. It's funny. Hey, because why spend so much time and energy winning someone if when you win them, you're not going to put them to work, especially when they really want to work for God. They really want to do something, and it's almost natural when you're first converted. It doesn't even take effort. You're just excited. It's like that first love experience. So why not tap into that? first love experience and realize that can lead to a lot more conversions and a lot more people coming to the Lord. 100% Matt, yeah. And that is, by God's grace, that has been what we've seen with Andrew and Pauline. On the day of their baptism, we went back to their house, we had a lunch, and I asked them how would they feel about doing the same Bible series that they'd gone through with Pastor Barry, how would they feel about doing that in their home and inviting their friends and family to come along? And they were just, they did not hesitate, Matt. They were so keen, like you're saying, they're fired up. They've learned these new truths and they're excited to share them. But they're also, I think it was good that we worked together because even though sometimes I guess someone has come to know truth, they might still lack the confidence in how they're going to go about sharing that with somebody else. So I think that was an opportunity for me to come alongside and to, in a way, just demonstrate and just do it together. And praise God, we had two baptisms, two more baptisms that came from that group. And this was during COVID. We were still able to connect. We did some Zoom stuff, etc. But the group was connected. And uh, it was just exciting, Matt, to see Andrew and Pauline both growing in their understanding of truth and deepening their walk with God, but at the same time, being able to reach out to some of their friends in the community and their family as well. And we recently had, I guess you could say, a third person who's made that decision through Andrew and Pauline. And that was Andrew's sister. She's coming to church. Andrew's brother's coming to church and their families. And another sister is also coming to church too with their kids and her partner. And so literally, we have seen through this one couple who've got a pretty big family, lots of friends in the community. I've lost count of the number of people that Andrew in particular has invited to church. He just connects with them in the barbershop and he invites them to church and they come along and then they come to an evangelistic series and they and some of them make decisions and it's it is just exciting and and Andrew's now leading our explore Sabbath school class on a Sabbath morning and he's hosting a Bible study in his house and I'm not there. He's grown now to the point what are we in two and a half years later so that he's now he doesn't need as much time, if that makes sense. He's now able to do these things and he's got the confidence to do them. So, man, why do you think he's so willing to just ask people to come to church? He just seems like he's a natural. Why do you think that? Do you think he's just a natural? He's just a gifted evangelist or is it something else? He's definitely gifted. There is no question about that. And he's because he's been, he's one of those, he's he would, what you would call a person of peace. He's someone who has a lot of rapport with people in the community. I kid you not, most of the guys who go into that barbershop, he knows them by name. And so there is a rapport and he's got that warmth. Maybe that's his, I don't know if that's his Greek side coming out or something, but he's just got that warmth and that ability to just take people under his wing and he can connect cross-culturally. And yeah, he's, God has definitely gifted him. So is the same thing going to happen with everyone? No, it's not. But I think that's where as pastors, we also need to be thinking carefully and think, what, where are the gifts? Where is the spirit moving here? Who do I need to invest in? Jesus didn't just pluck disciples out of thin air. He, he, had, he chose them strategically and specifically 
I believe, because he saw that they had potential, they had gifts that could be molded and used to further his kingdom. And that's not to say we don't invest in others who may not have as many gifts. We certainly do. But I think the benefits of doing it become more obvious when you've got someone who's like a like an Andrew in your church. So there's lots of practical people that listen to this podcast. Like they're, they typically are going to think, hey, okay, this is interesting. So what are some practical ways that my local church can invest in new members for soul winning purposes? Okay, so what do we do? What do we say? Where do we, if we give them a list of things, okay, do this, do this, do this. Here's some practical things you can do mm. for new members to get them involved in soul winning ministry. The first thing I'd want to do is pray and ask God to show you what is the gifts that this person has. Some people, and if you want, do a spiritual gifts inventory. That can be helpful because it can sometimes highlight things that you may not have you may not have seen. Based on their gifts, just try and get them involved. If they're a really good cook, get them involved in cooking. Tell them that some sometimes inviting someone to your house, not mentioning anything about spiritual things, but just providing them good food could lead to something. I've heard powerful testimonies about that. So first of all, look at their gifts. What has God gifted them? And we believe that every person who is baptized and Christ gives gifts to every person. So they're going to have a gift. I think the next thing is spend time with them, get alongside them, do ministry with them. I'm a big believer in small group ministry, or sometimes it's called care group ministry, where you, it's very simple. You have a small group in in usually a home setting and there's food and there's Bible study, there's prayer and there's fellowship from Acts 2.42. That's like your four essential ingredients. And if someone's newly baptized and you're able to go to their home once a week and organize to have some food there and organize to have a Bible study and ask them if they've got some friends that they want to invite or some family they want to invite around, it's just simple. It's just simple. It's no, There's no pressure. Choose a series of Bible studies that is, that's a simple series. I'm a big fan of Justin Lawman's Bible marking series because it's just very basic. You don't have to have a theology degree or anything like that to to facilitate a Bible study like that. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in, bro. I was going to say, I've never prepared someone for baptism that I didn't spend a good amount of time with. You hang out, you study the Bible, you do Mm -hmm. things together, and you get a good sense of where this person's strengths lie, or at least where they're gifted and where they're not. Some people, like they have the gift of teaching because they're always teaching. Some people have the gift of exhortation because they're always exhorting people. Like some people have the gift of discernment because they they just, they can peg things. They can see what's going on so that when they explain a situation to you, you go, whoa, how did you see that? You can, by spending time with people, you get a good sense of where they're gifted and where they're not. You can never get it perfect. There are hidden gifts that you can't see. And the person oftentimes can't see until they get involved in reaching out and doing service for the Lord. But I just wanted to say that because some people might have thought when you said, find out what their gifts are, they might think, well, that's a really hard thing to do. And I think that's not usually a real hard thing to do if you're willing to see what's in front of you. There are certain people who are just leaders. Like there's Blake Penland from Raymond Terrace Church. Yeah, he's a he's been pastoring for our conference for a few years and was central in the planting of that Raymond Terrace Mission Church. And when he was at Avondale College studying, getting his teaching degree, I just knew him casually. I just knew who he was. I ate dinner at his house once. His wife cooked amazing African food. And <laughs> the guy was just like very talkative, 
he's really good at explaining his thoughts and his views. And he's just a, he's a teacher, Like he was a gifted teacher and he's all, cause he was always teaching and he's always interested in getting conversations about what he's learned and what you've learned. And then he was always leading out in these like outreach endeavors at Avondale where he'd get like 150 young people out in the streets in Sydney doing different kinds of outreach and ministry to the homeless. And he really had leadership. And I played basketball with the guy every so often. And anyway, so long story short, all it took for me to realize that he was a good teacher and a good and a leader. He was a leader. It was just to watch him. Just watch the guy. Just what is he? Like just it's like, hey, that's a hippo. That's a giraffe. You look at it, you see what it is. And that that's what I saw I saw in him. If you really considered who he was and how he functioned and operated, like he had charisma, people were following him. You're like, is he a leader? I wonder if he's a leader. There's lots of people following him. Maybe he's a leader. Yeah. And so we him up as a conference and put him in charge of the church plan. He did. He did fantastic. Amen. Yeah, I, Matt, it's so true. You're gonna see it when you spend time with someone. You're gonna see those gifts emerge. It's not rocket science to to try and figure that out. And, and even if and, there's trial and error, you're you're cool with that as a pastor, right? Like you, hundred you know, percent. Yeah, of course. Give, give someone a chance to do something and see how we go. That's right. I think what we can't do is give them opportunities to be involved. Because we're, like we were talking about before, sometimes we might think that this individual, they're new. Maybe, they're, maybe they've got some misunderstanding still. Maybe, maybe they've got some, some little aspects of their character that need to be refined, etc. What we can't do is wait until all of that has been sorted out. And then we say, yeah, good, great. Now we're going to put them. And what we sometimes do is we'll wait for a couple of years and then we'll put them into some position. Or... Or we might even put them into some position quite quickly, thinking that that's getting them involved. And then they start to, or just, they, they see some of the negative aspects of church with the political side and all that. And that's really not for new members. I think new members, you want to get them involved in the front lines of evangelism, wherever their gifts lie, and then nurture them and support them in that endeavor. And mm-hmm. that's when you're going to see them grow. That's when you're going to see them bring other people to church and it's going to help like literally for us at Kempsey Church, this has turned our church around. The culture <laughs> has changed because when you've got more people from the community coming to church on a regular basis, it helps us as a church to look outwardly rather than inwardly. It helps us to realize, hey, God is at work and there are people who are connecting to our church. As a minister, it gives you so much more enthusiasm it gives you so much more motivation to preach the gospel on sabbath morning knowing that you do have people there for the first time and it helps you to also keep things simple and not get trapped into this idea of think that just because we're preaching something different or new or exciting that we're actually feeding the church when in in, in actual fact it's kind of getting weaker it gives meaning to every area of ministry and which is really exciting. Bro, I was tell me what you think of this if you I think I suppose you'll agree. But if I baptize someone and they're very hospitable, like they just have the gift of hospitality. They just you go to their house, they roll out the red carpet, they're into cooking, into just making people feel at home and welcome and good. Okay, awesome. Now you've got a venue, right? So you're doing a small group Bible study. Voila. Perfect. Perfect. You can get them involved in being the host of spiritual events, whatever. You can even get them into a catering team, you know, get them plugged into that. And, or say you've got someone who, man, they're just a gifted teacher. Maybe they are a teacher. Maybe they give their life to the Lord and they've come to a knowledge of the truth, repented in Jesus' name. And wow, okay, get them teaching, get them into a situation where you can have them giving Bible studies or whatever. So 
it just seems to me like whatever the gifting, you, there's a place to plug them in. And I kind of think, I don't know if you agree, but everyone can give Bible studies because giving a Bible study is not giving a lecture at Avondale College. Giving a Bible study is simply highlighting certain certain statements from Scripture, certain passages from Scripture that teach certain concepts, certain truths that bring people closer to God, right? So it's basically like, hey, I'm sharing with you what God has shared with me through his word so that you can understand, so that you can know. It's almost just testifying. It's let me testify of these truths and point you to the teachings of Jesus, to the teachings of the Bible. Yeah, so it seems to me like any member who's just come into the faith, we can get them engaged in giving Bible studies immediately. They've just received Bible studies. They're really excited about the Bible studies. It seems like they can just whew, get immediately into it. Do you yeah. think that's, a, that's true? Oh, of course. And what's exciting about a new member is typically they've got relational streams that connect them with people outside the church. And this is one of the reasons why we've potentially struggled with those of us who have grown up in the church or those of us who have virtually all of our major connections with people is within the church. And that's often one of the most difficult things. Where do I find someone to study the Bible with? That's not a difficult thing for a new member because they've got a lot of connections outside the church. I remember Louis Torres kind of humorously talking about this, saying that, um, saying to, to pastors that they should spend time with the weak church members. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think he was just trying to get a point across. I don't know how serious he was being on using that word weak, but what he was saying is they're weak because they've got all these friends outside the church. He said, so go over to their house, spend time with them. They're going to have friends. Get them to bring their friends over. And he said, the only problem is once you do this for a while, they're going to become strong church members and they won't have friends outside the church. <laughs> well, unless you get them involved, like you're yes, saying. You know? Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just going to reiterate that point. That is one of the most exciting things about someone who's a new member. And that is that they have connections outside of the church. And if we're wise, we will try and equip them to reach those friends for Christ. I think this is often how churches turn around. Churches might have been stagnant for years. But if they can win one soul and that one soul has connections and they follow those connections carefully, then that can literally turn an entire church around. I've heard yeah, of absolutely. testimonies of that happening. Networking is awesome. I used to tell Bible workers that work for me, I still do, I tell our Bible workers in the conference, if you gain a contact, you're, you'd be foolish not to work through their network of friends and family to try to gain more Bible studies. Mm. It'd be the equivalent of like a medieval battle where you've surrounded a city and you breached the wall, like you broke a hole in the wall at one point. And then you decide, well, let's go, let's go break another wall. Let's go break another hole somewhere else in, around the city. No, no, you just got into the city. Get in there and see who, and then get, get to work. So I feel like the community is like that walled city. And there we are, we're doing our different tactics and approaches to, to try to gain contacts and interests in Bible studies and converts. And then when you get a convert, it's like you broke a hole in the wall. Okay, so just run in there now. Get into their social circle, become friends with their friends, become friends with their family members, and then begin to test the waters. Because now you're not just some strange guy from a church, you're their friend's friend. You're their brother's friend. And you hang out together. You're now socially accepted in that little world. And it makes no sense that you'd gain a convert and then not try to gain more converts from their friends and families. It just doesn't make any sense at all. But I want to tell you, I hate it. I absolutely hate it when 
seasoned older church members, not older in age, but just more mature church members see new converts and they say things like, oh, yeah, when we were converted, when we first came to the message, we were really excited just like you guys are. But you know, you'll calm down. You'll settle down. What do you think about that? Because do you hate that as much as me? Well, it's a real shame. I think what they're admitting to is that they've lost that first love experience. And it's a sad thing when somebody thinks in that way. And while someone who's new may not, they may have some rough edges that still need to be sanded off, but they're full of enthusiasm. And it would be so much better if some of those more seasoned church members would catch a, get inspired by that, get behind them, get alongside them, be that mentor. It's not just something that pastors are called to do. It's something that we're all called to do. I was visiting Gateway Church a few Sabbaths ago, and they had a baptism. And they had spiritual guardians that were appointed for each person who was baptized. And I thought, that's what it's all about. And it was like this understanding that, hey, we're going to keep journeying with this newly baptized person so that they can then reach other souls for Christ. That, that was just like part of their DNA as a church. And as we know, Gateway Church down in Melbourne is, is a, God has blessed that church. From one church 20 years ago to four churches now with 90% retention rate, etc. There's some really positive things that God is doing there. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think, Matt, what you're highlighting there is probably one of the dangers, I suppose you could say, when you... When somebody new joins the church, sometimes we have to protect them from those kinds of people because there's always going to be someone who's dissatisfied in the church and they will try and sort of quash any kind of enthusiasm, etc. And you got to protect people from that. Yeah, it's almost a disdain. It's almost like, oh, I remember when I was so enthusiastic and we thought we could change the world and mm. that Jesus was coming back soon. And there's almost like a little, like people get a bit miffed. This naive simpleton who really doesn't know much. They're unsophisticated. They don't have a broad grasp of scripture. They just learned a couple of fundamental truths. And now they're just super excited about telling people about the prophecies and how Jesus is coming soon and how there is no whatever the fundamental truths are. And it is true. It's totally true that there's a lot of naivete amongst a new me- new members. There's, a, there's an innocent uh, simpleness to them. And yeah, they're going to grow and they're going to become more balanced and they're going to understand things more deeply in the future. But, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to lose their fire and that we shouldn't encourage them in their passion and in their excitement, it's almost like we shouldn't disdain the simple-hearted new convert who wants to change the world. We should say, praise the Lord for that energy and that faith. And we should look back, I think, on our first experience and give ourselves grace. Yeah, I was a little bit silly here. Or I had this wrong idea or I had some extreme views here. But that doesn't color your whole experience because, man, I was fired up. Like I would have given anything for God and I was so happy mm. to learn the truth of the gospel and to experience that resurrection power in my life and the freedom that comes with the Lord Jesus. It was like, why not have that kind of a view rather than try to patronize them, pat them on the head and, oh yeah, yeah. Once you become a real mature Adventist, you'll just relax. It's like, what? Mm. Oh man, yeah. Okay, just, yeah, it's it's called, that's called like Laodicean indoctrination. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That's a scary like that's thought. Training. That's Laodicean yes. training. I think oh, when boy. you, it, that's a really good point, Matt. And when we 
baptize, that's an opportunity, isn't it, to call for people to rededicate their life to Christ. If they've been baptized and we go through those baptismal vows, here's a perfect opportunity to make an appeal for those who may have become in, they may have drifted into that mindset to appeal to their hearts and say, won't you recommit yourself to God right now and be baptized afresh with the Holy Spirit? Because people, I think what they're also saying is that the attitude of the broader church is going to rub off on them in general. And so we have to be careful that we have a church that is motivated, that it's focused on soul winning, because the truth of what they're saying could come to fruition if our churches aren't evangelistic and God has just gifted the church, even though it wasn't super evangelistic and God has just gifted the church with this new convert. Let's make sure that we change the culture. And you know, my mom used to say when I was a kid, if God can't get the rich young ruler to give what he has, then he'll get the widow with two mites. And if he can't get the learned academic scholar of the law, then he'll get the demoniac from Gadara. He, mm. Jesus is going to use, if he can't get the wise of this world, he'll choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Because who knows the mind of God, but the spirit of God. Whoever's receptive to the spirit, God will use them, even if they're unsophisticated. And he will make fools out of the sophisticated by showing his glory through the simpleton, through that simple-hearted dummy who just came to faith. And I think this is just a real important lesson for all of us, because and like you're saying, why not just get inspired? Because man, if God can use this new, young, ignorant convert, then he should be able to use that medical doctor who's been an Adventist for 20 years, or he should be able to use that retired teacher who taught at Avondale College, but who isn't winning any souls. You know what I mean? So it's a, we should never, we should be inspired by the simple faith of the new convert and never dismiss them on account of them being unsophisticated and new. So bro, parting mm. words, last things to say, it's on you. You get the chance to shut down the show. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. It's been great to share. And I, again, I think let's pray and ask God to help us see with his eyes, the potential that people have and true faith. I'm thinking of that quote where Ellen White says that people will have faith proportionate to your faith in them. And I know I'm just paraphrasing it there, but it's so true. We need to believe in the people that we're, le- that we're winning to Christ, that they can be used by God in a powerful way. They'll, they're going to have people that they know. They're going to have friends. They're going to have family. And let's not miss that opportunity, but rather let's spend that time investing in them and see God's kingdom grow and see the church turn around and see older, more seasoned, experienced members get back on fire for God as they get involved and start working alongside some of these new members and praise God, that's going to benefit everyone. Put the old oxen, link them up with a new one. You know, the young one's got plenty of energy. He's going to be pulling in all sorts of directions. The old one knows the course and together can get a whole lot more done for God's glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother, for that. Thanks, guys, for joining us again for all things evangelism. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. God bless. Take care. 